Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your guide in moving from fine to fantastic. I love inspiring others to listen to their inner voice and encouraging them to take the steps toward fulfilling their soul. Join me here as we navigate through life transformation, moving from that place where you say everything's fine, it's just fine, but you're really feeling a deep undercurrent of suck. How do you move from there to a renewed sense of yourself? You're in the right place for stories and experiences of self-discovery and courage to help you on your journey. And you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. My guest in today's episode is known as the wholehearted woman, and you'll hear why when you listen. Lisa Winicky is a visionary and leader who is passionate about supporting women and men to cultivate the commitment, compassion, and courage required to transform their lives and relationships so they can embody their authentic selves and create a life from their hearts that lights them up from the inside out. In the first few minutes, I asked Lisa a very personal question I thought about twice before putting it out there, but I felt like I had to ask. She was very gracious in answering. Then we get into the wisdom of children, how she holds space and processes her own feelings while holding space for her son's pain when he lashes out at her, finding compassion for yourself and not responding with fear, hurt, and projection. And how, as entrepreneurs, we're both still working on pushing back on the voice inside, telling us we need to be doing more to achieve success, instead of allowing ourselves to be in a state of flow, where life is working for you. Quick reminder, come join us in the Fine is a Four-Letter Word Facebook group. Today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. When you're asking yourself, what's next for me? Who am I now in this next season of life? And where do I even start figuring out my purpose? The Fuck Being Fine experience is here for you. I'd love to chat with you about the steps to finding the clarity and courage to do what you know you need to do. Go to zenrabbit.com to learn more or to schedule a complimentary call. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Lisa Winicky. I am so honored to have you on the show. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned before we started recording, you are my very first Australian guest. So uh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> you uh, what do you the- win? Uh, exactly. Johnny, tell her what she wins. <laughs> uh, did say, it did feel that way, didn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so thank welcome. You. I'm, mm. I'm eager to have you share your story with us. And let's start out with, tell me what values or beliefs were instilled in you as you were growing up that then played out as you got older. Oh, what a question. The values that were instilled growing up, I know my values now, which I wasn't aligned with until the last, I'd say, five or six years. Mm. The values of hard work, which were 
instilled in me, but I chose not to actually go along with those values. Okay. The value, the value of discipline, that was something that has stuck with me uh-huh. throughout. It's an interesting question, Laurie, because it's really having me see that the values that I have that are my values, why my childhood and teenage life and my adult life for a large part was so why I was so disconnected because they were so disaligned, misaligned with the values that are true for me. Mm, for example, I don't know if it would say if it was a value, but so one of my highest values is honesty. Mm. Now growing up, I grew up in a, in a home where that wasn't valued. There was a lot of secrets, a lot of secrets, secrets that I was aware of, secrets that one of my parents might not have been aware of. So that was something that was so in misalignment to who I was, which is why it's so integral in what I do, in what I share, that I'm honest, that who I show up as is the person that actually is, is me inside. And integrity is also coupled with that. Interesting. When did you pick that up? Was it when you were a child still? No, no. I, when my values, when I really got aligned, when I really got clear on my values, no, my values, those values were really became clear as I started to go on my own healing journey, as I shared with you, through this process of healing from bulimia, which I'd experienced for 20 years and depression and the disconnect. And as I started to reconnect with myself and understand and know who I was, then it became clearer about the things that actually were most important. And I was able to look at how I behaved and the choices that I made and when I felt most in alignment and that that gave me insights into what I valued the most and also what I got triggered by. So what triggers me are people being dishonest, people not being in integrity, people showing up as something other than who they are. So I could then really hone in and, and, and get what I valued the most and then commit to those to living those values because by committing to living those values, then that meant that I was living in alignment with me. Yeah, yeah. Did life get easier when you started doing that? That didn't answer your question per se, did it? Because, <laughs> And I'm sorry because that actually yeah. is, a, that is something that I would really lo- will go back and reflect on as to what values that were instilled in me I really feel like I've thrown a lot of it out. And I did as a teenager, I rebelled Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so much. So yes, so going back to that question you just asked me. One of the things you just mentioned about dealing with bulimia for 20 years, is that related in any way to those family dynamics? You know, I can, as we all can, looking back, and I put the pieces together when when I wrote my book, The Dawn of Hope, which I wrote about five years ago, and understanding, of course, because there's no blame. I like just to preface yeah, it. Sure. There is no blame that our parents were always doing the best that they could. But I grew up in a, yes, I grew up in a home that I struggled with the secrets and the lies. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel part of the family unit. I felt misaligned. You know, I remember, I remember when I was a really young child lying in bed and, and questioning, how did I end up in this family? Mm. I think I was four, five, five or six years old. Like, wow. who chose this for me? Because at that age, I was already feeling not part of the family unit. And so I didn't feel like I belonged. So then obviously that, that manifested over a period of 10 years. And by the time I got to 18, I was so disconnected from myself, so disconnected from my family. I didn't know where I belonged. I didn't feel safe anywhere or with me that that mm-hmm. was the um, manifestation of, of, of all of that pain 
and heartache and brokenheartedness. So I'm so curious about the secrets. I don't want you to tell me all of them, but (laughs) were you biologically born into that family? Uh, (laughs) Yes, I was. Okay. Well, oh, well, everyone says I look like my mother. Yes. Okay. Um, Yes. But so, you know, and I've got great relationships with them now, great relationships with them now. And this has been the life's, my life's work. And I understand now that I was born into that family in order to heal through relationship. The reason I asked it, and I was almost not going to ask it, but I had to ask it because you felt like you didn't belong. So I was just wondering if, you know, because sometimes adopted children feel that way. And so I was just wondering where that might have come from. (laughs) (laughs) Too too personal, you can say back off. (laughs) No, no, not. And it's more so in respect for my family. It's something that in the past that I felt like I needed to speak my truth. But I understand now it's also maintaining my relationships with my family. So no, no. I very much look like my mother. I think it was just that I felt like the black sheep in the family. I felt highly in tune with the things going on around me. I'm like, why can't people see what I'm seeing? Why can't my siblings see what I'm seeing? Why can't everyone else see what I am seeing? That this is, why can't my parents see what's going on Mm -hmm. inside their relationship? And look, that's not to say that they couldn't, but at the time as a young child, I felt like the way I saw the world and the way I saw things was not the way that they saw it. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Because I had a similar experience. I would fight with my parents all the time about religion, the religion I was raised in, and I did not, um, I didn't feel like it fit me. And so we would argue all the time. And I'm like, how can you not see what I like, kind of like what you're saying. And, but I felt discounted because you're only a kid, right? So how could you, it was almost like, well, you don't know what you're talking about because you're just a kid. You don't know what's right yet. We are going to make the decisions for you because you're only, you know, 11 or 12 or whatever. And that's where the power starts being taken away. And we forget how powerful we are, because as we know with kids, I mean, I look at my kids, they're more connected, especially when we're younger, we're more connected to something greater than we haven't gone into the egoic state that we find ourselves in as adults. And so they're actually, I mean, I look at my kids, my kids are my greatest teachers. They have been my greatest teachers and continue to be. So, and it's interesting, it reminds me of, I was in conversation with a guy on my podcast last year and he was a black guy and it was a rapper and he, he was saying, he was young, but oh my God, so wise. Mm. And he was saying to his, he was telling me a story about his six-year-old niece that was sharing something profound about, about the way that, that, you know, inequality. And he said, don't let anyone ever tell you that your opinion and what you say doesn't count because you are the leaders, you are the future of the world. Mm-hmm. And if we look at the state of the world right now, mm-hmm. our kids, that generation, they're the, they're the leaders coming through and what they're experiencing and what they're witnessing, I'll be fascinated to see how the world changes as a result of them living through a pandemic. Yes, because again, going back to the question I asked you, these are the, these are the values and circumstances that they're growing up with. Mm-hmm. So of course they can't help but influence how they become as adults, how they operate. 
and how they change the world, how they change the way that we are educated, big institutions, employment. I mean, it's going to be very, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah. Well, I mean, every generation says that about the kids though, right? <laughs> so, mm, yeah, it, I know. Of course, <laughs> this is a different, I mean, different than our generation was growing up with for sure. Mm. And they're going to be far more resilient as a result. But then yeah. there's also the contrast and the polarity of there's going to be a lot more mental illness, anxiety, depression as a result of these external circumstances. So it's actually, it's a really interesting, because I think we shared it when we when we connected, was that one of the reasons why I felt so compelled to follow that nudge three years ago that had me choose to leave my marriage was to leave a legacy for my boys. Mm. And the legacy of what it looks like and what it looks like to live from our whole hearts. And so I know in doing that, that the values that I'm instilling that they can see is the value of living in alignment with what is highest and best from our whole hearts. The value of courage, the value of honesty and the value of integrity. So it's so in, it, it values are such a, a big part of what I do and actually the work that I do with clients now because when we actually know how when we know what our values are and we commit to them life really does get easier and more peaceful and more in joy and in flow yeah and that that's the thing is that it's a matter of getting clear you mm. know once you have that clarity you can move forward with purpose and confidence and courage, not that it's going to be a piece of cake necessarily. It's still going to be challenging, Mm. but you have this certainty in you that you know you're moving in the right direction. And you and I both were, you know, I work with clients on that too in the, in the, um, in the program that I run, the F being fine and uh, (laughs) being fine experience. Yeah. Um, Mm. But, but helping people from start out getting clarity and then taking them through, because there's really nothing else you can do if you don't have clarity. Like everything I feel like comes from that place, right? That's what you're saying too. Mm. Getting clear on your values. Getting clear on your values, getting clear on and what's pulling you out of being in alignment, getting clear on your beliefs like you were sharing before because, as we know, we're either creating from beliefs or we're creating from heart. So clear, clear, clear. The more, the clearer I got, the more aware I got of me and what lit me up, what pulled me out of my centre, what, what, what were those stories that I've been telling myself. The more clear I got, like the, the more I knew me, the yeah. more I could be with me, the more I could honour me, the more I could back me, then that transformed and continues to transform into the way that I show up, particularly in relationship. In teasing out your values versus those values that were instilled in you by other people who are that mm. are not your values, that are somebody else's values, but they were programmed into you. Yes, yeah, so the, certainly the value of hard work which I've completely, I've had to, you know, I've, I'm still breaking away because it's interesting that one of the things in lockdown that's showing me is that I'm still, there's still something that, that is underneath the surface that's telling me, driving me that I need to be doing more. Mm-hmm. Cause I've grown up in a family where it's all about achieving success. And so to be an entrepreneur and to be in a state of flow where life is working for you, which is the complete antithesis of working hard I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, I, I'm still bumping up against that. I am with you, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then add on top of that, I'm a Capricorn. So, you know, mountain goats, we're always climbing. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's difficult. Yeah. And conscious awareness, but that conscious awareness and that clarity on what the things that, 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 that have us, that have had us being driven, motivated unconsciously, is what then helps us to change that, quicken that refractory period where we can return yeah. to being in alignment. Yeah, and isn't it interesting that awareness is just the first step because clearly you and I are both aware <laughs> and we're still, and I'm sure many of my listeners as well, still doing the thing. We're still pushing ourselves to work harder and achieve mm. more and be more productive. And even though we know mm. that being in the flow is the better way to to be the more natural. And so it's a, isn't it the dance of remembering and forgetting? And so, you know, even as you're saying that my, like my, I can feel my heart opening because I'm like, it's the remembering. And then each time I remember that's where I was and I'm compassionate and so soft and gentle with myself. Okay. Here we are. It's okay. And then hands again on my body, on my heart. Ah, darling. Good, like I just really want to acknowledge you've caught that. And every time I catch myself out of my center, out of my heart, it's another opportunity to expand more into love of self and and a state of love. Mm. So it is a it's a dance, isn't it? Yes, yes. And I'm remembering something that you said in our conversation earlier about um, the legacy that you wanted to leave or that you want to leave is stems from leading from the heart that is absolutely you know i am getting emotional again but i had to be so disconnected so utterly disconnected from self and heart to know the contrast Mm. to know what it felt like to know the experience of walking the path back home that is such an important point you're making because i could read it we can all read how to do it but to do it for self, to experience it, to know how hard it is, the challenges you're going to bump up against, the stories you're going to get bump up against, the fear you're going to bump up. It's this, it's, it's, you know, I, I was, somebody shared a, a, a Zen proverb with me last week after I shared my story and she said, the obstacles are not off the path, the obstacles are the path. And, you know, I I really loved that because it's that reminder that life is always happening for us and those obstacles are the gifts for us to go back to, return to, to extract the wisdom from them through the healing, through the meeting. Essentially, the healing is the meeting it, these stories with love and compassion and presence. And I would add potentially welcoming. Yeah. Welcoming the, the obstacles as a gift as difficult as that sounds like it would be, admittedly. But what if we could look at it that way? Mm. Which I think it happens the more we cultivate the practice mm. of returning to the obstacle, going, oh, my goodness, if it wasn't for that, I would not be, you know, if it wasn't for every single obstacle along the way, you and I would not be in conversation. I would not be enjoying yeah. the connections that I now have with people. I would not be feeling more and more in flow. I would not be able to meet my humanity in the way that I can if it wasn't for every single step along the way. I would not be parenting my boys in a way that 
you know, I feel I'm changing the way as one of my mentors is, I've, and I've worked with her, is, is really healing generational wounds and patterns in order mm. to transform the way generations have, you know, because as I change, past generations, future generations change all at the same time. So I know that the work that I'm doing on myself in healing these patterns is changing in both directions, past and, and future. And that for me feels that that's the legacy. That is such a good point. And that just, just yeah, goosebumps because that's mm. so yeah profound, sounds a little dramatic, but really it is. And, it, you know, it's then when we, when we can really get that as we heal our patterns and our wounds, that that actually is what we all want as parents, as lovers, as friends, is to be the greatest friend, the greatest lover, the greatest parent. So there is no question whatsoever that by, by doing the work on self, that actually that is the greatest gift right now in the world that we can be doing. The greatest. It is the greatest. Yes. That changes the perspective on how you see everything that has that happens. So when you look at past relationships, past um, pretty much relationships, whether it's a spouse with a spouse, with a parent, with um, people at a in a career, whatever, healing those or yeah, healing yourself, heal those relationships. But I love what you just said about you wouldn't be doing this work if it weren't for those relationships happening in the first place. It's a whole different way of looking at it. Yeah. I, Much more compassionate. You know, I, I was sharing with you before we jumped on recording that we're back in, in, we're back in lockdown in Melbourne and homeschooling and, and I, you know, there's a lot of tension in the home because I've got three boys and they're, they're, you know, they've had months and months and months of homeschooling. And one of my boys is, you know, is, um, is in his own internal world. He'll, he'll, he's got lots of stuff that he's going to have to work through if he chooses to work through it in his lifetime. But because of the tension, it's triggering his pain. And so I'm, I'm the one that gets attacked. Mm. And so what I'm seeing now is, you know, somebody said to me, I hope you're being really kind and compassionate with yourself. I'm like, ooh, it's another opportunity to up-level because it's not to say that his words are not hurting because I've obviously taken it personally, but it's actually my body because I'm, I'm an empath and I'm a high, highly sensitive. But it's how can I how can I hold space for my, my feeling as well as holding space for his pain in a house where we can't necessarily escape? It's mm -hmm. like a pressure cooker, but I know there's a gift when I remember and come back to center, I know that there's a gift for me to expand into more compassion. Yeah. In being more compassionate with me, for me it was taking myself off saying, not saying a word, there was nothing to say, closing my door, I'm going to meditate, compassionate to me, returning to me, holding myself, touching my body, okay, darling, I know that felt really, really, really hurtful. That felt like you were being attacked and you felt rejected. I, I've got you. I'm not rejecting you. Like just returning, then softening into myself to then be able to within half an hour go out 
and holds space for him. And you know what? He didn't. He never comes back and apologizes. And I've had to work around that because I was raised saying, if you ever did anything wrong, you go and apologize. And so I just mm. learned to do that. But mm. I have a son that doesn't choose to do that. But mm. then he changes his actions and he's saying, thank you so much. That was a delicious dinner. And, oh, you don't have to drive me here. And so I know. And so the last thing I'm going to do because I know what that was like. I was him as a 17-year-old, spraying my pain onto my parents. Mm. Now, I'm transforming it because I'm not responding. I'm not responding with my own fear, my own hurt, my projection of my own pain back yeah. onto him, which explodes. I'm transmuting it by loving him and showing him that no matter where he is, no matter what he does to me, I still love him. What are the tools that you have used to move from where you were when everything was just fine to where you are now. Whoa, okay. What are the, so what are the tools that I use for me? So not the tools mm -hmm. that I can get from somebody else. Okay, so that meditation. You, that you use, yeah. yeah, meditation. So meditation. So I, I, I use kinesiology. That was somebody outside of me, but then I went and trained as a kinesiologist, so that became a qualification because I needed it for my own journey. Meditation, I've been meditating for eight or nine years now, and I have a mantra, so I, I'm, a, I'm a Vedic meditator. That's okay. my go-to, and I meditate 20 minutes twice a day. I crave, especially right now, it's almost like I'm craving more of that, more of just to return because I know that the more I can do that, the more I need it, that I can be more grounded, more centered in my heart. So meditation, yes. breath is huge. And breath for me is just returning to breath constantly throughout the day. And then my heart practice, which is an ongoing throughout the day. I'm constantly, my hand is often back on my chest, returning. Okay, centering. How can I see this differently? I'm here. Whatever it is, it's it's returning to heart. Returning to heart for me is, it's just, I mean, it's, it happens so often during the day. It's, 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 it's such a practice, such a habit of mine now. Then I have EFT, which I use when if I'm in a really heightened state, I'm an EFT practitioner. So if I'm in a really heightened state, I'll use that. I use essential oils. I feel like, I've, oh, oh yes. And a big part, which I've now gone back to is movement. So when I was separating almost three years ago, I could not sit and meditate. My body was in such a state of turmoil that I was like, I cannot actually sit still. This is not serving me. So I use music and movement to actually move and process the motions that I was feeling. And it was powerful. I'd always loved dancing and, and music from a very early young age, but I'd forgotten it. And so mm. it really came back very powerfully. And as I'm approaching my my 50th next week and also the divorce, my divorce date there's been quite a bit of grief that's come up as yeah. I share with you when we were last talked um and I've gone back to moving my body and using music daily and again it has been really potent so yeah but yes. my my daily my daily is meditation and breath and heart they're my daily daily practices the music and the movement is that is there a specific music that you use it's just something that you because the reason I'm asking is because it's reminding me of when I was in college my roommate and I would be studying and you know late at night and we're tired of reading the same pages over and over again and we would take a dance break <laughs> and mm -hmm. we would just crank up a song 
and dance around the room. Nobody saw us, just the two of us looking like crazy loons. And then we'd go back to studying. Is it like that or is there no. something more to it? <laughs> so I, so when I first started using the music through my, through my separation, I had been to a Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat and mm-hmm. we were given, we were able to access the playlist that they used. Now, the playlist contained music of all genres, all, all t- types, all. So there was stuff that was very meditative, but even the meditative stuff I used as movement, active okay. movement. So what it did, what this playlist did was actually, it was so in tune where I was. It was like when a song would come on, I would be able to tune into whatever it was and a memory or a feeling would evoke and I would move with that. I would move with the memory. I would move with the feeling coming up in my body. You know, there were times that I'd be on the ground sobbing because of what I was going through. And then 15 minutes later, there'd be an upbeat song and it was just the right time. It wasn't like I was forcing myself to feel Uh upbeat. It was like my body was ready to get to the next stage. So I've actually created a, a playlist for the wholehearted woman and I've got all types of music. I've got some slow, some much more deep and reflective, um, more upbeat. It's like a, so I'm trusting and I'm using it to, to work through. And so I just put it on and I'm trusting that whatever comes on is what actually I need to move to. Yes. I was going to say no coincidence that the Joe Dispenza soundtrack was exactly what you needed. <laughs> right. We know no. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very intuitively crafted curated yeah all right speaking of music what is the song now that you have on your playlist that you listen to when you need to get hyped up charged energy what's your song Uh, there are so many songs and you asked me and I had to go through my whole playlist and now I'm like (laughs) is it it was a Coldplay one and it's about dreams and I've just forgotten the name I'm terrible with the names of it and also oh, there's it one. Was, um, a Sky Full of Stars. Sky Full of Stars. Sky Full of that, Stars. I, I love that song. I love that song. But then, you know, if you were, uh, sometimes, depending on how I am, I like the more deeply reflective because then it makes me feel so alive. So it's a mm. really tricky one to actually pinpoint. It doesn't have to be rah, rah, rah music for me, for me to feel totally connected to my heart. And whew, does that make sense? It makes complete sense, and that's an answer I haven't gotten before. <laughs> mm, I don't need the really fast upbeat because sometimes if I'm not in that state, it feels forced. Interesting. But I'm with you on the whole playlist. Yeah, I'm, I just love music, so it would be hard, hard to choose just one. <laughs> I'll, share, I'll share my playlist with you after the call. Oh, yes. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Uh, so you mentioned your wholehearted method, your wholehearted, the playlist that you have, or not different playlists, the music that you have. Mm. How can people find out more about that? How can people find out more about my playlist or the work well, that no, I do? The, the, <laughs> the work that you do. And but, but you mentioned, before I asked you about the hype song, you mentioned that you had put together some music mm. for wholehearted so the wholehearted play, so if they want to go onto Spotify, it's under the wholehearted woman. But there is also um, so yes, you, or you can DM me and I'll and I'll share the link. They um, the wholehearted. So I've created a body of work called the wholehearted for the wholehearted woman. So it's predominantly working with women, and there are a couple of men sort of circling because they're seeing the work that I'm doing with their partners, mm. and seeing the. Um, you know, how much that's impacting their relationship. And so it is a 90-day program and it is a very 
sacred deep container because they have access to me for 90 days and I take them through the process of walking them back home to living and embodying whole heart their whole heart and so it is it's not for the faint of heart <laughs> and it really requires deep commitment and yeah. and a willingness to cultivate courage like they've never known before and compassion and so that's why it's not I don't take on I don't work with a lot of people because it does I'm totally devoted and committed to the women that I work with to ensure that they do forge a new path for themselves because I think there's so many people that know it all that are, are still operating from the level of the mind but not from heart and really to return to heart it, it, it's a it's a process because most of us don't trust yeah. don't trust our hearts we don't have that connection so at the same time, you're asking a lot from your clients, but you're not asking more than you've done for yourself. You're, t right. you're asking them to do, like you're leading them because you've done that work. And it is a privilege. And I, I get very emotional in a lot of sessions with my clients because I know what it takes, Laurie, to mm -hmm. do this. It's, and that's why I say it's really not for the faint of heart because you have to be so committed to the process right. because if you don't if you're not committed it well to be committed is to actually be both feet in all yeah. in that's what it takes in your program and in my program to live without regrets mm -hmm. to live without regrets so that you don't die with regrets and um, it reminds me even, you know, and I know that I resonated so deeply with what you do and where you've come from because, you know, for me as I share with you that I knew that I was settling inside my marriage and so I, mm -hmm. and when I came out of that meditation and I decided that I could not live a life that was half-hearted, that where I was settling like other people around me and I had experienced my whole life of settling and so that would have been a regret and I think it takes courage to listen to those nudges oh, so that sure. we don't so we don't live in regret yeah. especially if things are fine we can yeah. go along and be okay because right. it's okay it's not bad it's okay until it's you get to the end and look back and say oh, I wish I would have when you see it from a different perspective when you are at the end of your life I imagine because you know we're not there well, we, who knows? We're not there yet. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I've tried to mm. also look and live as if, okay, so when I'm 80, now I'm going to extend it. When I'm 100, <laughs> will I be mm. sorry I didn't or whatever and live from that perspective of saying, well, then I, I'm going to do this thing because I don't want to die with regrets. And that, what you just shared, is a super powerful exercise I did years ago where I wrote my own legacy, like I wrote my own mm -hmm. eulogy. Mm -hmm. And so, and I was like, how do I want to be remembered? And when we actually get really clear on how we want to be remembered, then that can inform us as to what we need to do or change in order to leave that legacy. Yes. It's almost like writing a visualization as well or creating a visualization. It's a different mm. path to it, mm. but then mm. then you are pulled into it. If, if that's what you're visualizing, that's what, what you're pulled into. Mm. Wow. Mm. This has been such a powerful conversation. <laughs> 
really enjoyed talking we've with gone you. all <laughs> we've yes. gone all over the place it started and I was like whoa okay where are we going oh. yes yeah and then so, you know in midway and midway I had to show myself compassion because I was like I could even hear the little voice you didn't answer that very well and I was like it's okay darling let, let that go let that go it's it's <laughs> exactly what it needed to be yeah so before we stop here Mm. Again, how can people reach you? Is what's the best way? What's your website? What's your are you, what is the socials so, that you're on? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all at Lisa Winicky. So all my my name, um, www.lisawinicky.com is my website. And if people want to email me, they can email me there, or they can direct message on any of my social media um, channels if they want to apply for a conversation to work with me, they just can send me a DM and I'll, and I'll send them a link to the application. Um, so yeah. And I'm just saving to, and then YouTube, I've got my podcast, the, the good news guy that's available on YouTube and all um, podcasting streaming vehicles. Perfect. And we will put links to all of that in the show notes. Thank, thank you, you so much for joining me today, Lisa on fine mm. is a four letter word. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for your questions. They had, they're, they're going to have me reflecting now. I love that. Excellent. <laughs> I hope you felt the depth of Lisa's kind and generous and passionate soul there. I think you can hear it and sense it in this interview. Here are the key takeaways I pulled from our conversation. Number one, when we know what our values are and we commit to them and live by them, life really does get easier and more peaceful and more enjoyable and in flow. Number two, we're either creating from beliefs that have probably been installed by others or we're creating from our own heart. The clearer you can get, the more aware you can become of the stories you've been telling yourself, the more you can honor yourself. And that will transform the way you show up in your relationships and in the world. Number three, Lisa shared this Zen proverb. The obstacles are not off the path. The obstacles are the path. It's a fantastic reminder that life is always happening for us. And those obstacles are the gifts for us to go back to and extract the wisdom from them and heal through them with love and compassion. If it wasn't for those obstacles you've encountered in life, you wouldn't have grown into the person you are today. Number four, Working on yourself and healing your patterns and wounds is the absolute greatest gift you can give the world right now. Becoming more compassionate with yourself is kind of a dance. Every time you catch yourself out of your center, out of your heart, it's another opportunity to expand more into self-love and a state of love. Number five, Lisa talked about her heart practice, which she uses throughout the day. What she's doing is putting her hand on her heart and centering herself when she feels uncertain or inadequate, asking herself, how can I see this differently? Being compassionate with herself. I've been working on incorporating this practice into my days now. I don't always remember to do it, but I recommend making an effort with this ritual and see how it grounds you. Number six, you can use music and movement to process emotions. 
You hear a lot from me about using meditation as a tool for healing and grounding, but I realize that doesn't work for everyone. Dance and active movement are another way to move memories and feelings through your body. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other women like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. And I'd love to hear what's happening in your world. Join me on social. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. And lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. Or maybe it's just before, depending on where you're listening. Look for it. You'll find it because you always find exactly what you're looking for. Remember that. <laughs>